This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We have embarked upon a teachings of preparing ourselves to be used by God. And you should be pre-marked in the book of Ezra. I love the book of Ezra because that is the book that our founding pastor was called out of. And so I love even just saying that name. So it should be marked in, in Ezra chapter 7. And for you visitors here, I want you to know we are a teaching ministry and we usually teach in series. I like to say that so you'll understand that we're just not jumping into something. And because we teach in series, you're coming up on the fifth teaching on this particular subject. And we want you to be able to follow along and to grab a hold on. But it's a lot of things that were said in five and four other teachings besides this fifth one that we're about to teach. But God is faithful and God is good. And you can hook on and God will give you the revelation of this particular teaching. Are you in Ezra chapter 7? Here we understand in the book of Ezra that God was calling Nehemiah and Ezra. He called Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And he called uh, Ezra to go back and rebuild the temple and to restore worship in in Jerusalem. Everything had been torn down. It was in waste. And so God was calling men, just like he is today, calling men and women into a place where you can get his business taken care of, get it done, get the, restore some things, just like he's called our ministry to restore this generation, to bring them where they need to be, the hurting, the struggling, those that are without, that, and, and whether they're saved or unsaved, because there's a lot of unsaved, there's a lot of saved people that are hurting and struggling. So I'll let you know when I'm talking about something opposite of that. But in this, God is saying, okay, it's time for us to move into that place where we are helping. That's what uh, his next move is going to be powerful. And because of that next move, we must position ourselves to move with him. And so in the book of Ezra, uh, starting at verse 6, it says, Then Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe. I just can't get enough of that ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Now, right here is telling us that he was a ready scribe. He was ready to do the work. He's ready. See, that's the the thing that we have to grab a hold to and what God is telling us. We must be ready. We cannot fool around, mess around. We must be ready. He was a ready scribe. And then it tells how he was ready and why. And if you jump down to verse 10, it says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. It tells us why he was. He he he. He prepared his heart. And that's the thing that we need to understand. This is what God is dealing with us about as a ministry and as individuals. Being ready. Knowing how to be ready. Preparing our hearts. See, the readiness is not 
someone jumping up saying, okay, I'm ready to do the work. Oh, what can I do? No, 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 no. Your heart must be prepared. Because when your heart is prepared, you're going to stay the course. If you're just ready off the top of your head, any little incident, any little situation, you're going to fall away quickly. But when your heart is fixed on it, you let nothing interfere with what God is calling you to. You're ready. You'll be a ready believer that's ready to move in that area. Amen. And we've learned in these teachings, in the midst of in, in, in the midst of the transition that God has placed in this ministry, that before God moves, there is always time of preparation. Now that's in this ministry as well as in your life. Understand that before God moves on anything in your life, there will be a time of preparation. That's His order. That's the way He does things. Always before He moves, there is a time of preparation. And I thank God that he gives us a time to be prepared. I'm glad that he made, he, 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 and one thing I'm glad of, that he made it our choice. See, there's, it's a choice to want to be prepared. You have to choose to want to be prepared. You got to say, this is what I want to do. This is what God is preparing me to do. And I'm going to stay the course as he prepares me. It's a choice. And then we have to choose. And, and if, remember, because it's your choice, you choose when God tells you it's time to prepare. You don't say, I'm going to be prepared when I want to. I'm going to do something when I want to. We, you, God doesn't work like that. The preparation is when He has called you to it. Like for now, God has called us to restore this generation. We must be prepared to do it. We must prepare ourselves to do the work. And it's hard work. But nevertheless, it can be done. Amen? And we understand by now that preparation, we said, is the unseen work that will yield seen results. It's the unseen work that God is dealing with us about. He's not talking about the obvious things that that you're struggling with or things that people see that might be an error in your life or people things that he's saying the unseen work. He said, I'm dealing with us, you all at this time, about things that nobody knows about and nobody sees but me and you. So know that. Get that in the, in your head. He's only dealing with us about those things that nobody knows about and nobody sees but you and him. That's what's happening in this preparation and this time. Amen? So we understand that. And we have to understand that it is our responsibility to do the hard, unseen work, to prepare our hearts. See, this is going to be hard work. It's hard work because we have put so much stuff in our hearts, so much stuff in our spirit. It's hard to get rid of. Wrong teaching is hard to get rid of. Once it's down in there, it's like nuts. Now you have to take everything you have. Now you need a jackhammer to get it out. And God said, it's your responsibility to do the hard work. What is God's responsibility? He's going to expose to you what it is. But he's not going to take it out. You have to, the hard work's responsibility of taking it out and keeping it out. That's your responsibility. Are you following me? So we, we understand that. Now, we're, uh, now, we have to work to get our hearts right. God's not going to do that. God's not going to do that. 
it's our responsibility to prepare our hearts if you're going to be used by a holy God. Now, if you think, well, I'm just, you know, I'm saved and that's it. But if you're in this ministry, if you're going to be used by a holy God, your heart's going to have to be right. It's going to have to be straight. Amen? Now, this thing no one will see but you. Nobody will know that you're doing it but you. It is the unseen work. I need to drive that home. Unseen work. And it, listen, it's not easy to work, to, to, to do that work on your, own when you have a heart condition. You know, it's easier to point out other people's heart condition than it is your own. See, it's easy, we can say, we see that, and oh, I know that. That's easy to do. But when it's your own, it's not that easy. It's, it's, because, see, it's always easier to blame everybody else for their heart condition than to work on your own. I can't believe they in that. They do. Yeah, but you need to work on your own. This message is not for the person sitting next to you. It's not for your spouse. It's not for you. It's for you. Are you with me? So God is requiring us to do the hard, unseen work and getting our hearts prepared for what's next. Now, I really hope this, I want this teaching to challenge you. We got, God is challenging our heart condition. He's showing us where we are. Because, it, because that's what he should do. He's showing us. He, and so, again, God's not missing it. When he tells you something about yourself, you can't say, oh, no, I don't think that one's me. That must be for somebody else. Listen, when God is not missing it, he's not saying, oh, oh not, no, that one wasn't really for you. It was really somebody else. No, 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 it's for you. Remember, God is showing you things that you thought was right all the time. And I don't care how long you thought it was right. If God shows you it's wrong, it's wrong. Well, I've been, I know God ain't talking about this because I've been doing this for years. And he's been talking to you for years. You just haven't heard. Now you're hearing. Whatever he's showing you is you. I don't care how holy you look. That's including me and everyone in here. No one is exempt from the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one is exempt. No one has it that going on. No one. Amen? So God is requiring that. So we as a church, we as a church, we must be prepared individually as well as collectively. Now, if your heart is not right, and you, you'll never be prepared. If your heart is not right, you will not be prepared. You cannot be used as that instrument of righteousness. And we talked about the instrument on last, last week. You cannot be used as an instrument of righteousness. Not to restore this generation. You cannot. Not if your heart is not right. You're not going to be able to even have a, 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 a home that's operating properly if your heart is not right. Now, it might be working properly as far as you're concerned. You think it is, but I'll guarantee you your spouse is not thinking it is, or your children is not thinking it is, because a right heart is going to produce a good home. 
So we must be focused at the work at hand. We cannot let anything and anybody or any distraction get us away from it. It's so many things that can distract you. So many things that can distract you. Just little things. Bam, bam, bam. I mean, just things that you... See, we're always looking for big distractions, but little things will get you off of what God is... Off of the whole work. Something comes up and you be like, oh... And you'd have forgot all about what God has said. you got to stay focused for the work at hand. And it's that hard, unseen work of preparing our heart. We must, as individuals, as well as this church, deal with things that are on the inside that will hinder the work of God and that will hinder the things in your life and in the life of this church. Because when you're hindered, it affects the life of this church. So we have to deal with it. Say, so you know what? i got to deal with this. This is crazy. i got to deal with this because I'm hindering myself, my family, my church. I'm there at the work of God, the will of God. Everything is, is effective. So you're like, okay, I need to deal with this. If God is telling me and showing me that I have it, then I need to know that that's it. Are you following me? Now, in earlier lessons, we, we, we first learned on how to restore our hearts. That was one of our first teachings, how to repair the damages that are in our hearts. And the only way to heal the hurts and the damages is to what? Forgive. Now, everybody should have been on one accord with that. We've been saying it for five weeks now. The very first thing that you're going to have to do is forgive. You have to forgive. Your heart will never begin to mend if you don't forgive. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to start having to ask about all the different things that I'm saying since I had a little sporadic answer. We should be on one accord because everybody has been coming and you know, forgive. I know it. You've been saying it for five weeks. I got that. You have to get it. You gotta get it. You gotta keep repeating it until learning takes place. Then you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta forgive. That's the beginning of your heart. Whatever the, whatever you have unforgiveness about, or whoever you have it with, or whatever, God said, if you want to start the mending process and the healing of your heart, forgive. Okay, but what if they did? See, that's the problem. When God said, come let us reason together, he didn't mean come and discuss a commandment that he's given you. He's like, well, I'm trying to, I'm reasoning with you, giving you the scriptures so you can hold on to what I said. But don't come try to make no deals with him because that's not what he's talking about. You cannot reason with him as if you're trying to get him to change his mind. He won't. He never has to. He's the omnipotent God. He knows everything. He knows all the time. He knows everything. Amen? So we have to understand. And we have to know. Once God said it, i got to forgive, I'm going to forgive. And what do we say forgiving was? We must let things go, let things be, and leave it alone. Let things go, let it be, and leave it alone. Because your heart will never, never heal without forgiveness. 
And let me tell you, the person that you're upset with or people or group or, or job or whatever that you're upset with, guess what? They're fine. The, your unforgiveness affects you. It does not affect them. They're going on, so you better get there quick. Then we said you have to cleanse your heart. All of those things that will cause me not to be able to do the will of God, there has to be a cleansing. You, you, you have to under, Listen, no surgeon, just natural example, no surgeon go in a, operating, a dirty operating room. No surgeon does. And the reason why a surgeon don't go into a dirty operating room is because... They're trying to do, they're trying to perform a procedure to get something right. And if they go into a dirty operating, they're going to have other problems. That's why they're scrubbing and they look at everything. That's why it's always cold in there because everything is sparse and everything is clean. Because no surgeon goes into a dirty operating room. Neither does God go into and start working with a dirty heart. That's why it must be clean, so he can have something to work with. He's not going to come in and do all kind of things that you're asking him to do with a dirty heart. Now, if naturally we don't do that, of course, spiritually we're not. Amen? So, we have to understand, okay, I, 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 I see this. I, need to, I, I have to have the cleansing. Then we said you have to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard what you see. Guard what your, what your eyes see, what your ears hear. Guard all of those things, what your mouth speaks. A lot, a lot of times you need to be quiet. You need to stop talking. You, need to, you, know, you, you don't have to answer every matter just because you know the answer. Sometimes it's just, shh. I'm coming in any instant. Sometimes you just got to be quiet. Go, guard your mouth and say, you know what, I could say that, but I won't. You don't have to always be talking. And then we have to guard what my hands touch. Hands, the number one thing of sin. You got to put your hands on it. And then we said you have to guard your natural feet and your virtual feet where they take you. Amen. Then we learn how to change our hearts. We said you need a change of heart. So you know what? And the reason why we must change our heart is so that it won't become hardened. With a hard heart, it's harder to uh, I'm telling you, it's harder to do. We need a jackhammer to just get it out. Let me tell you, a hardened heart, it takes too long for you to, to, to get it. It takes years. And you can come and sit in church every day. Don't miss a service with a hardened heart and lack understanding. That's why you see so many people, they've been in church forever, but they lack understanding. They lack understanding because of the simple fact they got a hard heart. I don't care how they look on the outside. Well, I know they don't because you can tell. You can tell. I'm, people show you what they want to show you. People know how to be kind in front of people. They know all of that. But God is saying, no, 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 no. A heart and heart. And so you can look at people's life. Are they still just replicating the same thing? Still doing the same thing? Still having the same bondages? I guarantee you that person have a hard heart. Not, well, okay, I can't answer for everybody if you sit in this ministry. 
and you still live like that because we've taught it over and over and over and over again. So if you're still doing the same thing, still getting the same results, still doing, still acting the same fool, year after year after year, why do you why do you want to get some counseling? You're not going to get your heart is too hard, and nothing can get into a hardened heart unless you take a, a something and dig it up. And that's what God is doing. He's saying, okay, I'm jackhammering that thing for you. I'm exposing that thing for you. I know you think your heart is right, but I'm showing you this morning it's not right. And I'm jackhammering it so that we can begin cleaning it up. We can begin forgiving. We can begin healing so that you can go forward. And stop being a stagnant Christian that comes to church all the time, but yields no results. That should be some results in the lives of a believer. Are you following me? So we understand that. We have to have a change of heart. And we, and we said that the way to change our heart is through correction. Oh my God, why are people frustrated and upset about corruption? Correction. That is what's going to help you change your heart. Let me tell you, if, if everybody lied to you about your condition, you'll never change. It's through correction that I change. It's through me hearing the truth about myself that I say, Oh Lord, i got to change. Well, and you know what? And, 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 let me tell you, this is not a prayer that God will ever answer. God, take this away from me. God said, no, 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 you get rid of it. God's like, I didn't give it to you, so why should I take it away? God didn't give it and the Lord can't take it away. Well, that's not that song, but you understand what I get. God didn't give it, but we want God to take it from us. Just take it away from me, Lord. Just, just free me of it and take it away from me. And God said, no, that thing you got to get rid of. You gotta say, nope, I see it, I understand it, and I don't want it, God. If you showed it to me, I'm telling you this morning, He's showing you. Through correction, we must allow the Word of God to correct us. You have to let go of the offenses and allow God to correct you. Let it go. Allow the Holy Spirit to correct you. God and His Spirit. He will speak. He's speaking now. And He speaks things that you need to correct. Then we said you have to allow authority to correct you. Ooh, that's hard for a Christian. Because they, who they want to think is in authority is that who is I'm going to let tell me what to do. I ain't letting nobody else tell me what to do. Well, I, you know, I found him, Pastor. He was my authority. This new thing, I, 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 ain't, I, I can't even come to church because I can't even be up under that authority. Heart. Hard. Not understand. Heart, just hard. Authority, God is going to give them what you need to be corrected. So I have to allow those who God has put in authority to correct us. And we learned also why we are corrected. Why do God want to correct us? Why? Because we're wrong. Simply put, God is not going to correct you if you're doing right. So this whole message is talking about 
getting everything right so he's on the correcting path. Because I don't care how long you've been doing it, I don't care how much you like it, how much you think it's okay, and I don't care how much you think it's not sin, it's wrong. Because he said it. He only corrects because we're wrong. You look at somebody and say, I'm not corrected when I'm right. You only correct it when you're wrong. And then we said you have to have a heart to obey. In order to have a heart to obey, you have to have a desire for righteousness and learn how to yield my will, my ways, my plan. Yield it all. Our Father, I yield it all. Then you can obey. As long as you don't yield your plans, your ways, you're not going to obey. You're going to skirt around it. You're going to try to get around it. You're going to do all kind of things not to obey. Because that word obey. They've almost, people have almost taken it out of the marriage. Uh, what they quoted marriage. Like don't put obey in there. We have a problem with obey. And you have a problem with obey naturally. And you have a problem with obeying spiritually. No, I'm obeying. Listen, you just, you just, you, you just proved it by saying that. Because God said He's dealing with everybody about what's, what, what the, the trouble that's in our heart. Obey. See, if you have a problem obeying me because I'm a woman, that it's your problem. See, a lot of people got, you know, they can't get past Pastor Hill. We need a male up there. We have plenty of males in this ministry. It's not about, it's not about any gender. It's about the word. See, when you start looking at gender, that shows your immaturity and your hard heart. It's not about a gender. It's about the message. Let me tell you, my calling proves itself. I don't have to convince you. And if you have to move on to get a man to, uh, for a man to teach you, you know what? We welcome you. Make sure you see those two side doors. That's why we keep them open. So if you feel like you can have to run, run on. But as you run, remember, everything that you need is in me. So you can run on and you can hear it from everybody else, but you ain't going to get it until you come back to this authority. Because, see, and that's another thing, because you don't understand authority. You think you can go anywhere in the body of Christ, but the Bible says he sets you in the body as he sees fit. You can do all of that. Let me tell you, it means nothing. And let me tell you, you're only going to get a little, you can repeat some things, but walking it, you cannot. And what you really need, you're never going to get. Because where you're going or what you're doing, you're hearing it for somebody else that's supposed to be there. And so you're hearing it and it sounds good, but you'll never be able to operate because it's not for you. Yours is here. And let me tell you, and people can do that for years. All out of the will of God. And I'm not saying this because I want you to come, come to the churches because I don't need the trouble. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not saying any of that like you need to get here. And you need, I, you, no, I promise you, I don't need it. 
Don't let these chairs fool you. Don't. God already done showed me what what's going to happen here, so I don't I don't need that. But I still got to tell you the truth. Because I'll be praying, well, God, you know, just give what you gave me for them. Give it to somebody else. God's like, now you out of your lane. See, you, we, we, we don't tell God what to do. Because someone else acts a fool. Amen. Then we said you have to learn how to be a servant. I got to push on. I have to have the proper attitude that, you know... And we brought that up last week where, you know, we need to look at our heart when we need to be prepared to minister. Heart. We have to have a heart to minister. Your heart to be prepared to minister. How do I do that? You know what? I have to have a heart to prepare to minister because I never know when, where, how, or to whom God wants me to minister to. So I have to have a heart to minister because I don't know when, where, how, and to whom God will desire for me to minister to. You don't know when God wants you to minister. It may not be when you, let me tell you, it may not be when you have on your Sunday's best and you're here that God will have you minister. See, we always think it's this way or that way. You don't know how God is going to do it. You know, Sometimes God might just want you to quietly pray for someone. That's ministering. Sometimes God might want you to say something to somebody passing by. Sometimes God may want you to speak to somebody. Maybe God just wants you to give somebody a hug and keep it moving. See, we think we, we think we got it down. We think we got to run our mouth when it's, that's ministry. But God will just say, give them a hug and keep it moving. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to minister to them just like that and just keep them moving. And I, I hear all the time people say, you know, well, oh, you know what, I think God is calling me to. I have a heart for young people. And I have a heart, you know, that's where my ministry is. And, and oh, I have a heart for, uh, you know, I have a heart for, for people that are divorced. And I want to be able to minister to them. Oh, I have a heart for people that had addictions and on drugs. And so now I want to minister to them. I want to say to them, why don't you have a heart for just humans? Why do you have to have a certain group? Because supposing God don't want you to... God, I have a heart for single mothers. Well, supposing God send you someone that's married. That's not single. So you don't have nothing to say to them because you're not single. That's not my ministry. No, no. I, you know what? You ought to have a heart for everybody that hearts beating. I have a heart to minister to whomever God placed in my path. I'm going to minister to him. And however he had tells me to. If he tells me to give him a hug, if he tells me to just pray for him, if he tells me to just smile at him, if he tells me whatever, whatever he's telling me to do, that's what I'm going to do. That's called ministering. But you have to have a change of heart. For humanity. Amen. And you can't say, you know what, well, I don't want to talk to them because, you know, we don't have nothing in common. I don't have nothing in common with them. We all have something in common. 
We all needed Jesus and need Jesus. That's common ground. Right there. I don't care who they are, where they are, where, what they have, or what. The common ground is everybody needs Jesus. So that's enough for me to be able to minister to you. I don't care about your status. I don't care about your titles. I'm Dr. So-and-so. Well, I have a prescription for you. Let me help you out with that. Because, see, we get caught up in that and we be like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I want to talk to them. They're way above me. How? How? You tell me what I'm telling you from the President of the United States to every doctor, every lawyer. Nobody's take precedence over the Word of God. Nobody's bigger than Him. None at all. And God is saying, those are the main ones that need me. And they're waiting for somebody bold enough to get in their face and tell them that. We said to minister means to serve and to give to others by the commandment of God. And to minister, we must be motivated by love. And then we said our first ministry first, before we do all of that, is to one another. We have to begin here. We must have minister to one another. The way the Lord, we, if you look in the scripture, the way the Lord added to the church in the early church was based on how they cared for one another. How they cared for one another. They fellowship. They had relationship. They broke bread together. First, and God added to the church. Why? Because they cared for each other. I want to ask a question this morning. How many people in this ministry, not those that you see standing around and you kind of know their name, do you really know? Do you know them? Not just their name, because we all know them, but do you know them? Do you fellowship with them? Do you have a relationship with them? Do you pray, pray for them? Or just the ones that you kind of fellowship with? Do I fellowship with them or do I just care when they show up and say, oh, well, thank God they here. Let me just go on. Our first ministry is to one another. We got to know one another. Then we said you have to ministry, minister through giving. Ooh, that giving. That giving always get God's people. Listen, I know a lot of people have a problem with giving. But I don't know why those same people don't have a problem with taking or getting. Don't have a problem with that at all. If it's offensive for you to hear someone in this ministry or for us when we're doing certain things or whatever we're going to do or we're talking about giving or we're talking about pastor's compensation or we're talking about anything, if, why, if, it, if it's offensive for you to hear that, then I want to know why it's not offensive for you to receive. It should be just as offensive. No. Mm-mm. Because, again, if you have a problem with giving, you should... Not get. You should not. You know why? Because all you're doing is keep, if you keep receiving and not giving, you're perpetuating your problem. That's what you do. You're perpetuating your problem. Well, 
hell, I mean, it's not like that. I just, you know, I just don't think we need to, you know, we have to give. Well, just, I don't have no problem with that either. Just don't take anything. You have to say, okay, well, is, if, if, if anything that somebody else is paying for, I don't want to, no, I don't want to take it. Instead of getting in on it. Don't receive anything for Christmas. Don't receive anything for your birthday. Because you have problems with giving. And if you have a problem with giving, you ought to have a problem receiving. And we said what? Givers always have. Takers always broke. Always broke. Well, I didn't really mean it like that, you know. <laughs> you know, when people say that, it, it always amazes me how giving offends our sensibility, but receiving don't. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. Oh, you're sensitive about that. Then we said we must minister from the heart. And we came out of first, uh, first Corinthians 13. And it taught us that we have to suffer long and be kind. We can't vaunt, be envy, and be puffed up. And then because of our love in our heart, we must bear all things. We must believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. In other words, I'm going to hang in there with people that may not be like I like. Because why? I'm walking in love. Now let's begin the new information. Go to Isaiah 62. That was all a recap of earlier teachings. We don't want to stay there. We want to move forward. And subtitled this teaching, How to Have a Heart to Restore the Lost. How to have a heart to restore the lost. Church, before we can be used to restore the lost, our hearts has to be prepared. Let me, I'm going to remind you of who the lost is. First of all, I want to remind you of who the lost is. Because we've talked about this, not in this particular series, but in this ministry as a whole. We've talked about this before. The lost are those that are hurting. There are people who are hurting. There are people that are searching. In other words, they are looking for truth. They are looking for answers. The lost, we said, are not evil. They may do evil, but they are not evil. You all ought to remember that from earlier teachings. The, the, the lost... Is, now, let, let me specify this too. When I'm talking about the lost, and I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm talking about saints as well that are lost. And sinners. So we don't want to just look at it like we're only talking about sinners because there's a lot of saints that are lost and hurting and searching and suffering. Amen? Now, that just because they do evil doesn't make them evil. Some people just get caught up in evil. Why? Because they're lost. And even, and I'm going to show you the, the difference, even while they're doing evil, they can say within themselves, and they know within themselves, this is not right, and I know something is better than this. They think it to themselves, but they're caught up. You see, they're caught up. I know it's something better than what I'm doing, but they're caught up. 
And there's many of us sitting right in here. There are many times, and there have been many times in our life, there are things that now that we're free, we're really embarrassed about, ashamed about. And not just a few of us in here, a lot of us in here. Just things that we've done in our lives beforehand and even after Christ that we're ashamed of, embarrassed about. And guess what? When we were doing those things, we knew they were wrong. And if truth be told, you were looking for a way out. You were looking for a way out of those things that we, you know, but you couldn't find it. You couldn't find a way out. You know, when you're lost, do you know you need somebody to come find you? Do you know when people go hiking or something or they, you know, they go on ski, so you know how they do all these little adventurous things. And you know when they don't come back and they're lost or something, have you noticed that they never wait for them to come home? They send out a search party to go find them. They don't, they're not requiring them to try to get home themselves. They send out someone to go and find them. Why? Because they're lost. They never do. They send them out, you know, because they're like, they're lost. They don't know their way, you know. Uh, they, they can't find their way out. We need to send a team in to go and find them. The same way is what God is doing. When a person is lost, they need to be sought out. They have to be sought out. It's not the lost person... Uh, person's responsibility to try to find their way out. They need some help. And I found that too often in the church we are saying, well, they lost and they in there and they doing that. You know, they're going to have to find their own way back. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? That's it. I done tried and they're going to find... Mm-mm. They got themselves into it. They're going to get themselves out. I'm just going to keep on and hold on to God's unchanging hand. No, ma'am. No, sir. They're lost. They don't know the way out. They don't know how to get out. I don't care how much they quote scripture. I don't care how much they say they know God. I don't care if, well, now, see, I'm talking about sinner and saints. I don't care how much they go to church. I don't care. In the, they are lost. Hmm. Listen, if I dropped you in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the thick woods and left you there, you wouldn't be very happy with me because you'd be like, I'm there with no compass, no none, just dropped your tail there. You would not be happy. Why? Because now I'm lost. You just flew away in a helicopter. Which way do I go? Where do I go? How am I going to get out of this? Why? Because I am lost. We got to understand that the lost are out of place, but they exist. They exist. Sinner and saint, they exist. 
You know, the statement that bothers me is when I hear people say, there's no men in my family. There's, you know, there's, there's no men in our family. That's impossible. That's impossible. You can't have a family without men. Because procreation is happening in your family. But you say, oh, we don't have no men in our family. Men are 50% of the, of the procreating process. You know that, right? So there's some men somewhere getting somebody pregnant. Some, anybody getting pregnant, I, it could be a man somewhere. So when people just act like, oh, no, oh, no, the women, we got it going on, but there's no men. No, they're there. They are there. The truth is, they exist. Now, they may not be in position, but they're there. They exist. They may not be in the place where they ought to be, but they're there. Write it down. People who are lost are valuable. People who are lost are valuable. Somehow the church confuses loss with value. Somehow we confuse that. Loss with value. But in actuality, the most valuable thing you have is what's lost. I'm going to prove it out to you. That's why sometimes something is misplaced out of the way and you can spend the better part of the day looking for that thing I know I have you don't know where it is and you spend the better part of the day and you searching you will search for what you cannot find hard have you ever been missing something like that and, and you spend the whole day you're like where is that thing and you know, for me, it's keys. For women, it's keys. Amongst other things, but that's one, one of the number one issues. You spend all that time trying to find it because all of a sudden, what's lost becomes the most valuable thing. You, you spend the whole day looking for it. All of a sudden, everything else around you is okay, it's no big deal. But what I'm looking for is the most valuable thing because I cannot go anywhere till I find those. Or whatever it might be. I'm just using the keys example. Whatever it is, why do you spend so much time looking for it? Because it's valuable to you at that time. Because why? It's lost. And you are looking for it. And I can lose stuff, and oh, Lord, I'll be like, where? Where did I put it? Where? And nothing else is more important. Nothing else is more important. Those who are lost, they are the most important things in our lives. Sinner or saint. Lost in their mind. Lost in their way. Lost in death. Well, they are the most important thing. Because they are those we do not have because they're lost. Those who are lost, they're loved by God. 
Jesus died and God and God loves the lost. But see, we are so far from when we were lost, we don't even care about those who are lost. They need to come. We go, we're busy trying to give the lost the word that we know that now that we're back in the kingdom. And they don't understand nothing you're talking about. They need to know how much God loves them and forgives them and wants them to come into the kingdom. And we're trying to tell them what God has for them. And what do I mean? Trying to give them all the revelation we've learned. And that's not what they need. Amen. And the thing about it is, I want you to know, if you feel if you're in here this morning and you're hurting, and you're searching, you might be born again, but you're still hurting because God is showing you you're hurting. Or you might not be, and you're searching. Or you're just out of place. You're like, I'm just out of place. I want you to know that you're valuable. You're valuable to us and you're valuable to God. I want you to know that you're loved by us and by God. See, you, need to, you have to know that. Now, this is what you need to know. That you are the most important person in this entire sanctuary. You know why? Because God doesn't have you. And God loves the lost. And he wants you, whether you belong to him or you are a sinner. You are the most valued person in this sanctuary right now. Why? Because God doesn't have your heart. And God doesn't have you in his life. I don't, listen, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long did you think you've been knowing God. He's saying this for a reason. He wouldn't say it if it's not so. But he's letting you know you are loved. You are you are the mo- you are the most important thing right now in this place. You are the most loved person in this place right now. Why? Because he doesn't have you. And more than anybody else in here, he wants you. He wants you. You are valuable and you are loved. It's simple. And God will stop everything. In a, just in a moment. He'll stop everything in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. For you right now to know Him. That's how good He is. That's how powerful He is. For you to know how much He loves you. He said, I'll stop this service. Just for you. To let you know that you are loved. You're the most important thing. I don't care what I don't see. I don't care what the church of the day say. I don't care. See, the church of the day they say the pastor is the most important thing. No, the pastor is the servant. The one who drives the prettiest car is the most important thing. The one with the biggest job is the important thing. And then God steps in and says, the one that's hurting and lost and have nothing and know nothing, those are the ones that are the most important to me. We must understand that. If we're going to renew our hearts and change our hearts, change the way we 
think, change the way we see, change the way we hear, we understand some things. Church, I want you to know something. That restoring the lost begins with salvation. Knowing that salvation is there. Listen to me. In other words, you cannot be restored if you're not saved. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot be restored without being saved. You cannot be restored without a true living relationship with the mighty, almighty God through Jesus Christ. You cannot. You cannot be restored because the first thing that has to be restored to our life when we are searching, we, the first thing that we have to do, we have to understand this, that we have to have a relationship with God. That's the first thing. Before you can be restored, before you can be healed for all of that that you need to be healed, you need to establish a relationship with the Almighty God. It's your opportunity. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care. God knows all about you. Now, once the relationship is restored through salvation, now everything else in my life will be, begin to be restored. See, it starts there. Everything has to start somewhere. So everything has to start somewhere. It starts with I'm getting my life right. I got to get born again if I'm not. If I am and I'm all against God, I got to get back in the right in alignment with God and right standing with God. That's my first step. Now, I'm not going to get up here and tell you God is going to do this for you and God's going to do because that's a lie. Because you have to first have a relationship with Him. I know you love to go to those churches that's going to tell you all the lies that God is going to do for you without you even having a relationship, without anything being restored, without you being back in right standing with it. But I'm here to tell you that's not true. You have to start with a relationship. And everything else. Once you do that, it begins immediately. Everything else will start being restored in your life. Why? Because you're a part of the family. You're a part of the family. God's going to make sure everything that you need. The master of the house. He's not our servant. He's the master. The master knows how to take care of his house. He knows how to provide for everyone within that house. You don't have to tell him what you need. I remember when my children were young, they would always say, Daddy, I'm hungry. And my husband used to always tell him, he said, Listen, you don't have to tell me when you're hungry. I know when to feed you. I know why, because I'm the master of the house. I know what you need. Everyone in here, God knows what See, we want to tell God what we need. And God said, That's not what you need. See, we think because, and we're so caught up in this world, we think because if we could tell him what we need, you know, God, I need this, and God's like, uh, some of you ought to thank God right now, fall on your knees, lay prostrate out here, and thank God that he didn't give you some of the things that you were requesting. Because you don't know what you need. He knows. You think you need that. 
We never, God, you, God, you know my needs and you know that's the desire of my heart. God's like, you don't even know the desires of your heart. I know those. You know what you're thinking off the top of your head and what you want off the top of your head. And you call it a desire. Once the relationship is restored through salvation, now everything else in my life can be destroyed. My, I, can be restored. My home begins to be restored. My marriage begins to be restored. My family, my health, my mental health, restored. Everything else can be worked on. It'll just be... And the more you sit and get the word, and the more you get your relationship stronger with God, answers keep coming. Answers go. Now, get get it. Let me let me let me let me give it to you straight. It might not be the answer you want to hear, but it's going to be the right one. See, we think the answer is not right unless it's what we want to hear. It might not be what you want to hear, but it will be the right one. You better take it. It will be the right one. Oh, I was thinking I wanted, I wanted to hear something else. The first thing you need to do is get right with God through Jesus Christ. So as a church, we have to realize that somebody's just coming and giving their life to the Lord. It's not the end like, oh God, thank God they gave their life to God. That's all I was worried about. Now they, back. Now they just with God. That's not the end. That's the beginning. You know, we can get all caught up in that. You know, sometimes we have to stop just rejoicing because somebody gets saved. Because that's the beginning. Well, well, let, let me put it this way. Because we, we always rejoice. Even the angels in heaven rejoice when people get saved. We need to stop rejoicing when people get saved and think that's the end. Okay, that's it. No! Now it begins. That's what I tell people when they get through having a baby and they're pregnant in the hospital and they get through having a baby. Oh, it's over. Oh, no, it just began. Oh, it's over now. Thank God. No, it's the beginning of your torture. You can laugh and bounce and play like everything's going, oh, baby, we know better. Because it's the beginning. It's not the end. And we coochie coochie coo and ha 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 and put them right back in your hand, have you noticed? Because the work begins. And so it is with salvation. It's not the end. We don't rejoice like that's it, they got it, they got it, they got it. No! They got it, they indicate it. Now you know in yourself how hard it is for you to walk. They got a lot of things they now they gotta begin with. Because guess what? God is about to give them answers they don't want to hear. Just like you. But they're the right answers. The right answers. (laughs) I know. God is going to give me my heart's desire. When people get saved and when they get get back with God, that's where we come into play. 
that's why when Jesus met Zacchaeus, he said, This day, salvation has come into your house. In other words, through the relationship that with you, Zacchaeus, that's the beginning of your house. Your whole house. And then when he said, and you being a son of Abraham, meaning your whole house is going to be included now. You got now, you're walking with God now. Now your whole house is going to benefit from it. Instead of you saying, oh, my children are doing this and this is happening and everybody calling you about that and you trying to pray it through. God's like, no. They need to be in the kingdom. They need to be. You can't. Uh, oh, uh, they told me they went to church and got saved. Thank Hallelujah. That's what I was praying for. It's the beginning. That's how we lose people. And you think, okay, they got saved and you don't keep up with them. And you're gonna, they go right back in the world because it's more to it than just that. We all know that. Amen. So we, 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 we have to grab a hold of that. We have to, you know what? There's going to be a change in this environment, as you can very well see. Listen, church, we have to understand that these things begin with salvation. And we must, we must press toward that. Because everything is changing in the land, in society, everywhere. But we've got to understand it just doesn't end at salvation. We have to stop looking at people giving their life to the Lord and, you know, put a knot. You know, we got notches in our belt. Oh, yeah, I got another one saved. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I led them to the Lord. Well, yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah, that was three this week. There's notches in our belts. And they're just beginning. And you, and now you disappeared. Just think about it. All the people that used to be in this ministry that's not here this morning, they're somewhere hurting. They are somewhere hurting. They're still somewhere hurting. Because I don't care, I don't care where you go and what you do. <laughs> if you're not where God called you, you're hurting. And if you talk to them long enough, you'll find out they're hurting. They're hurting. Listen, to minister to the lost requires a proper heart condition. Write it down. To minister to the lost, you have to have a proper heart condition. And it seemed like though, and this is what got me. I was studying over there and I was looking. But it seems as though, to me, that those who followed Jesus had a problem with that. Those that followed him, his disciples, they never really had quite had the right heart toward those that were lost. They never did. But remember when Jesus was ministered to Zacchaeus, they told him, oh Lord, now, well, now he's going to go and eat with sinners. They had a problem. Remember his disciples. Oh Lord, mm. Remember when he met the woman at the well, they was like, when they came back and they saw him, they oh, oh Lord, why is he talking to that woman? She got all them, not even her husband there. Why is he talking? Always, always had a problem with the lost. 
Jesus didn't. They had such a problem with him that when Jesus came and spoke in different places, they had to send people down through the roof. Because if they tried to come to the door, the disciples would stop them. You would think the disciples would move out the house and give, make room for them to come in. But they didn't. Not the lost. Oh no, we pressed in now. Get back, get back. We pressed in. Having a problem with the lost. Those that followed Jesus right up close had a problem. They looking at Jesus funny. What are you doing talking to her? Mm Mm-mm. They never seemed to quite be able to get their hearts right when people needed Jesus. See, that's where we have to check ourselves. When people needed Jesus, they were never able to be close. You know, people, people that wanted to get in close to them, they were never able to get close to Jesus because of them. Those who were around him kept them away. They thinking, yeah, well, you know, that's fine. Y'all can drop him through the roof, but we not leaving. And just one at a time, one to, to the lost. No, I would suggest to you that the same thing today. Now, not necessarily in our local church, but in the church as a whole, we need to get our our hearts right towards those who are lost. See, we can get like that. All we want to do is crowd around Jesus and never really understand what he's telling you to do. Just want to be around. Now, for the rest of the teaching, I'm going to focus on our hearts. More of our hearts than how to. More of our hearts than how to. But I'm going to have to finish that this evening. I love the way God does that. He always drop it right there. And that love was like a cliffhanger. Like, I'm going to drop it right there for you to come back. But if you don't, you just miss it. That's it. Because if I start it, I won't be able to finish it. And I want to. But, but, but those are things we have to begin to look at. We got to say, you know what, God, I have to have a change. I got to be able to minister to people the way you want me to. I got to see the lost as valuable. Of great value. I got to see that, Lord. I got to get with it. And, it. and especially for what God is calling us to do. He's going to tell us about it tonight. Baby, we're going to have to get be up on it. Because he's about to bring people in our lives. And you're going to have to be sharp and up on it. And got to have a tender heart. Heart of compassion. And we got to see people as valuable. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how they look. I don't care how they smell. I don't care what they say. We must see them like God if we want to be used by Him. Why? Because my heart has changed. And so I want to see just like God sees. God sees that they have value. So do I. 
God sees that they have value and so do I. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.